You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to the Blacklight Media Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bacon. I am don't have our usual co-host, Chris Santos, today here on Blacklight Media Podcast, Last Delirious Nomads. However, I do have a return guest to the show, our very dear friend, Tyler Harper of Capra. How are you today, Tyler? Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm doing okay. I think it's like my third time on this podcast. It's been awesome that you keep asking me to yep. come and do it. Because we like you for some weird reason. Yeah, I don't know why, but hey, I'm here. A lot has happened since we last spoke on the podcast. Let's kind of start with the most momentous thing. How was your first U.S. tour? Oh, man, it was a lot of fun. We uh, we started off in Nashville, Tennessee. We drove all the way through Texas and the desert and got to California. Uh, we went up to Washington and then went all the way across back to the East Coast. And it was, uh, it was a lot what of fun. Was- we, were, we were on tour with Whores and Bummer, uh, both very cool bands. And yeah, we, we had a blast. Obviously, we were together, but what was it like hanging out at Chris's house? Oh, Chris's house was insane. And yeah, you were there. I, I don't really know how to describe it. It was pretty surreal. Right. I, I remember pool. waking. I wish I wish you were cool. here because I, I, I beat him at his on his own pool table. Uh, that was that's cool. Pretty, yeah, that's pretty solid. I remember waking up with really bad heartburn, and I thought I was gonna. I thought I would, like had drank too much, and then I was like, "Oh wait, all I've eaten in the last twenty four hours is mozzarella sticks and scotch." Yeah, that'll do it. That'll get it. That'll get you <laughs> real good. Well, Los but anyway, was a party, so man, we we had a lot of fun in Los Angeles. We got to meet uh, everybody from Metal Blade. Um, they yeah, all came out to the show, the so you know, shout out to them and. Got to meet everybody and hang out for a while. It was very cool. What was your favorite show on that tour? Uh, it's a tough one. We we played so many shows. I think we did like 30. 33, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Top three would probably be uh, St. Vitus always, just because Brooklyn always. is great. Uh, St. Vitus is great. Um, Los Angeles was awesome. We had a really, really fun time in Los Angeles. And then the third, I'd have to say this bowling alley that we played, I think in Ohio. I want to say Ohio. Man, I, I would hate if I was wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 
Was it West Side Bowl? Yeah, yeah, it was West Side yeah, Bowl. Youngstown, Ohio. Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah, Youngstown, Ohio. Okay, so I did get it right. That place is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the the owner and the the guy that, that throws it all together and books it is phenomenal. We we had a really good time. Hell yeah. Um, okay, so you know, so you've been talking about this for a while, and it's sort of been an ongoing process. But there's new material coming from Capra. How has that process looked? How do you feel you're evolving? I mean, we definitely have a good bit of new songs. We're in the talking process of when to record it, when to go in, where to go, all that, all that jazz. It's been pretty difficult. I'm not gonna lie. It's like you know, we we all have uh, other things that we're doing, so it's taken a little bit of time, but we are super stoked on what we've come up with so far definitely in a different direction not like so far off where you're like what is this who is this band you know it still retains that energy that we've uh become known for we've just kind of dialed into our sound a bit more and i'm stoked on it i'm I'm ready to to put it out we've played a few songs on the tour and have received nothing but good feedback about it. So I'm excited to get it recorded, put it out and see how people feel, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's, I feel like the, the problem with the second record is the first record, those are riffs you've had. You know what I mean? Like those are riffs, some of those riffs dated back a long time from what, from what you told me. Yeah, but the sure. second record, uh, I mean, you've... In, yeah, In Transmission took... I would say five years, you know, to really come into fruition. That was, you know, we had a lot of like member changes and stuff like that. However, we've really started putting the album together when Crow joined in 2018 and only kept yeah. like two or three of those songs from before her time. So this is kind of like a much oh, quicker turnaround. I didn't realize that it was only two or three of sort of the pre-Crow songs that made it to the Crow era. Yeah, we had about 10 songs before her, but like only two or three made it. Once she joined, we wrote The Locust Preacher uh, with her. That was our first song all together. And it kind of just took off from there. So the only songs that we have on the album that were pre-Crow would be like Samurai Carry, Red Guillotine, and Medusa. Those three, those okay. three were before her time and made it to the album. But the shorter process is a challenge, is the point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, luckily, we had some time with quarantine and being in the pandemic, but it's still a challenge in the sense that, like, you know, you're still feeling out the song. You, you haven't played it live for people. You don't know how they're reacting to it. You're constantly questioning, like, is this done? Do I need to move this part? Do I need to extend anything? It's just it's a, it's a head game for sure. Yeah. And I guess that's got to be... One of the most terrifying parts as an artist is to put out a song that you haven't played to anyone, like played to a crowd, right? right. Like it, that's yeah, got to be we, really hard. Yeah, we we do we do tests with with some of the songs for sure. Um, we've played two so far, and I think in September next month we're going to incorporate a third one just to see because we've we've gotten really good feedback on the two that we've played for people. So if this third one hits. We know we're we're doing something right. We know we're on the right path. I agree. So, what have your recent George Stanza moments been? Oh, um, have you had one recently, dude? I mean, I yeah, probably. I I just this is throwing <laughs> me off right now that I, I can't think of it. But uh, yeah. Well, how about I'm, this? I'm stumped. 
what is your favorite George moment? I feel like this is, I feel like a lot of our listeners listen to Seinfeld. And so I'd be curious what your favorite George moment was. It was the moops. Probably my favorite George moment in Seinfeld history is when he's arguing really? with the bubble boy. Yeah. Gotta love the bubble boy. Just how he ended up there in the first place. And then they end up playing a game together. And then <laughs> the card ends up being wrong, but it says, I don't know. It, it's such a great episode. Well, like, have you played Trivial Pursuit? Yeah, I've played it. Yeah. Because, like, Trivial Pursuit is just too hard, in my opinion. Not, yeah, I mean, like, uh, there's a reason why I don't play it all the time. It's it's not an easy game. I don't know many of the answers for sure. Yeah, like it's just a game that this, and I kind of feel empathetic for George because I feel like Trivial Pursuit is like the game you play when there's nothing else to do and you're just trying to kill time. Right. You know what I mean? My most constant George moment just consists of like me going to a coffee shop that I frequent. And like every time I go to tip them, they turn their back and they don't see me tip. And I'm like, oh, now they think I didn't tip. Yeah, of course. And like you can't have that. You can't have them think you didn't tip because you're a good guy. You're Tyler Harper from Capra. Right. I have to tip. Yeah. You know, so. I also can't reach back into the bucket and be like, oh, I, I did it. I just wanted, you know, I wanted you to see me do it. Yeah, no, this also gives me a lot of anxiety. Do you ever have people who you feel like everything you say is like a weird George Costanza thing? Yeah. Like, and I feel like it's not everyone, but I feel like some people, I like, every time I'm with them, they just think I'm like George being like, you know, it's a good name for a kid, soda. <laughs> Terrible name. But, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. What's a good name I, for I a kid? I say off the wall stuff like that all the time. People, you know, I'm a, I'm a weirdo. That's for sure. But Tyler, what's a good name for a kid? What's a good name for a kid? Like, if you were going to have a kid tomorrow, what would you name it? Gopher. <laughs> uh, I guess it's, like, more of a nickname, but, like, I don't know. Gopher Harper. Like, Gopher you, you would be your name. Gopher Harper, dude. Like, you can't not be famous with a name like that, you know? People just want to talk to you. And everybody would know you. You know, like, who do you know named Gopher? Nobody. So it's very so your go-to name. Your go-to name is Gopher. No, man, I don't know. I just came up with it. Like, <laughs> you asked me and I delivered. No, that's fair. Okay. The other thing I want to talk to you about, and you can tell me if this is not cool. Can you talk about your job? Because to me, your job is really fascinating. Yeah, I can talk about it. Yeah. So what do you do for work? What's going on? Because you have a really interesting gig going right now. I do. I uh, just got into it, really. So I'm working for a card shop, a trading card game card shop that uh, does rip and ships live on the internet through streaming. Uh, oh, what's a rip and ship for those who don't know? Okay, so a rip and ship is like a stream, whether it be on like Twitch, TikTok. Uh, there's a platform called Drip. There's whatnot, and uh, what you do is you stream live and people you know they come and they hang out and they buy whatever they want they buy whatever card sets they want and you can either rip it and ship it which is like you open the packs for them pull the cards that they want whether it be the hits or all of them and you ship it to them or you just ship sealed stuff to them so i'm a big collector of like both pokemon and metazoo that's what i know about 
Uh, so yeah. that's what I that's what I deal with. MetaZoo is really interesting for a lot of reasons, and I feel like it has kind of this cult world that most normal guys kind of outside the TCG world don't know about. So can you explain MetaZoo for a minute? Because it's a very interesting game. For sure. I don't. I honestly don't know how to play the game, but like most people don't know about it yet because it's so new. It uh, it came out in 2020. They released like the Kickstarter set for all the supporters that backed them to get it going. And now it's currently two years later, a booster box, which contains 36 packs of cards is currently worth about $5,000. Everything is first edition. And if like we've learned anything from like the 90s Pokemon sets, first edition only goes up in value. Like if you have any of the first edition Pokemon sealed stuff, you're, you know, you're doing pretty well for yourself money-wise. Yeah. Uh, We've released like four sets so far, a new set coming out in October. And it's all based off of like real life cryptids like Bigfoot and uh, Mothman and like the, the Jersey Devil, stuff like that. Um, it's really interesting. They have insane chase cards. There's a, each set has like a card in it that you can go after where they've only printed a hundred of them. And then the, the print runs are like 25,000 booster boxes. So if you pull one, uh, you're looking at just multiples of thousands of dollars. Right. It's crazy. What's the what's the most expensive card you've ever pulled, Pokemon or uh, MetaZoo? Uh, so the other day, I had someone come in and I had a Pokemon set called Burning Shadows, which was released like 2017, 2018. Uh, it's very tough to get the Charizard that's in that set. And we pulled it in about 12 packs, I think. And if it's graded through PSA or Beckett, and comes back a 10, which like usually pack fresh right out of the pack it's cards a 10. are like nine, nine to 10. So depending on like a lot of different factors that weigh in, like centering and all that stuff. But I mean, this one looked great and it's worth about 3,200 to $4,000. Wow. Which is crazy for like a piece of reinforced paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. You know, a lot of these cards, Pokemon is, is you know, they've been around for so long one of the gigantic trading card games out there. There's a lot of money cards in Pokemon. Yeah. So that's just, I don't know. So thank you for sharing. Cause I thought that was a really interesting job that I thought some people would kind of be fascinated in. I've been really fascinated personally in the baseball card side of things. For uh, sure. They do it. They, yeah. There's, I mean, that's there's what I grew up for on. everything. Like there's different streamers yeah, across all platforms that do pretty much anything you, you can think of. You don't even have to leave your house anymore. Yeah. And I just, I find it interesting because like as someone who has a baseball card collection, you know, worth in the low five figures, which I accumulated as a kid, it's, uh, it's something I think about, you know what I mean? Dude. Yeah. You could, you could hop um, on and be a streamer tomorrow, you know? No, I mean, I, I definitely thought about it during the pandemic. Uh, but like I said, it's just an interesting thing. MetaZoo in particular, just as a note, and I don't think you really know about this as much because you don't know how to play but metazoo is interesting because it has a lot of these fourth wall breaking rules where it's like different cards have stronger effects when it's raining for example and i thought that yeah, was that's really insane cool. that is absolutely crazy like i think I've that's like people play it. i've watched some people play it and like a lot of a lot of the players of the game say that it's closest to magic however they do throw yeah. in stuff like that you know 
Yeah, and I think it's like mad the way I because I looked it up after you told me about it, and I kind of dug in, and it seems like it's like magic plus the way magic is sort of like Yu-Gi-Oh plus. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, this is just the next step on interesting nerdy fantasy card games. Right. Yeah. No, they're doing a killer job. Like, like I said, they've only been out for two years, and their first set is already worth five grand so just imagine what it's worth in 10 years yeah anyway as we head towards the end now that we've talked about capra and also metazoo and all this other stuff what final thing should we be aware of coming up do you want to talk about this fall it's like a fall tour to a furnace fest and then a few other things so do you want to talk about all that real fast sure yeah we we are leaving um i would say i think three weeks Wait, what is today? Yeah, three weeks from now we're gonna we're gonna leave. We're starting it off in Austin, Texas. Um, I think we're doing Austin, Dallas, Shreveport, Little Rock, New Orleans, uh, Hattiesburg, and then we're playing Furnace Fest on the 23rd of September in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, and then in October we're playing a local music festival called Raid Fest. Then we do two shows with Exhorter around. Which is gonna rule. Yeah, Exhorter is awesome. Um, and then Halloween night. That was one of the first things we bonded on. Exhorter, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then our last show of the year, Halloween night, uh, we're playing with Kin Mode and Frail Body and UTEX, which are some cool local. UTX is a uh, cool local New Orleans hardcore. And then after that, we just start planning to record the album. Finish writing all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Finish up writing, get together, get them all tight, make sure they're they're good to go. Hopefully get an album out pretty soon. That is the dream, is it not? That, that is the dream. Yeah, we'll see how it goes, you know? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Delirious Nomads again, Tyler. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Thank you again, and I am sure we will speak soon. Absolutely, Thank man. you so Thanks much. for having me again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. All right, so that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.